Hello. <laughs> Hi, Jake. Hello, James. How are you today? So good. Thriving. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Praise Dionysus. Praise Dionysus. Praise Praise Hi, everybody listening. <laughs> oh, Thanks for, hi. Thanks for being here. It's great to see you. Um, I hope your day's been good. Um, or night. It could or be night. night. They could be listening to this in the evening. Yeah. Well, daylight savings just happened. So... That's an, a difference of an hour. Yeah. Yeah, well, last night, my pal drunkenly stormed into the room we were in after daylight savings happened and shouted, It's 1am yesterday! And... No! Is that real? <laughs> that's not real. I don't think that's a sentence that's you can say without a time machine. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing they had a time machine! Yeah, uh, that's the thing. Uh. Um... So that's that. <laughs> Bish bash bosh. <laughs> Wrap it up. We're done. Yeah. Um, yeah, outside of that. Ah, uh, James. Okay. So Hello. this past week. Hello, James. Um, out of five stars, what star rating would you give the week you five just had? Five stars. Okay. The week I've just had has been famously work. Um, I've been running a new Instagram page where I take photos of the pigeons at St. Vincent's Hospital. I'm sorry. Um, so you started a brand new Instagram page for these pigeons. Yes, you heard correctly. Okay, great. Good, uh-huh. good. Yep, no, yep. no, I just want to <laughs> correctly understand mm-hmm. this very exciting it's development. It's called St. Pigeons. You can look it up. It's great. Uh, I just take photos of the pigeons that live at St. Vincent's Hospital and post them to this Instagram and everyone loves it. And we okay. all have a good time. Do you, could you spell out for me the differences now that exist between your life mm. and that of the woman from Mary Poppins who sells things for Tuppence My bag. partner said that I am very much the Tuppence of birds. Bag. Yeah, Tuppence <laughs> bag, except I don't have bread. Oh, are you making any tuppence? No! This is free. Are there any bags? This is free. <laughs> there are bags, baby, but not oh. the ones you'll think. Oh, dang it. The bags I poop in. Oh, your, your shit bags. <laughs> shit bags, and then I throw them at the pigeons. Oh, okay. okay this has gone too far. Uh, yeah, I take photos of pigeons, post it to Instagram, <laughs> everyone loves it, we have a good time. I love the defensiveness. <laughs> yes, I photograph pigeons. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? you going to stop me? Um, okay, so that's what that's what I do for the week. But then this weekend has been moving house. Jake, I moved house. Mm-hmm. I moved into a larger house. I'm sad to move away from my housemates because I really enjoyed living with them. Mm-hmm. But I didn't like the space I was living in, yeah. so I moved into a different because space. Because the roof there. fell down. Well, there are a few factors. It wasn't my roof that fell down, mind you. That was my other housemate. So he bore the brunt of that. But it was just sort of like, it's one of those Frankenstein houses that have been built on and built on and built on. The location's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just, I wanted something a little more... Having a roof yes. intact. Yeah. Yeah, that was the main sort of tipping yes, point yes, for yes. me. Uh, so we moved, spent all of yesterday doing like multiple van trips. My friend Imogen rented a van. My mm. partner Flynn helped us move. The two of them were amazing. We got all the stuff into the room and now I'm just sort of surrounded by boxes. I'm at that stage at the moment. Where okay. I've sort of like got the bed set up and everything else. It's just sort of like hickledy pickledy hither and yon. Mm-hmm. Um, so five stars. I guess I would give it like... I would give it a 22, because that's the number of the street I'm now living on. 22 out of 5 stars is what I would do. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can say that because I didn't say the street name, so you can only look up houses numbered 22. So the stalkers just have to sit at home continuing to sharpen their sides. Try and find me, baby. (laughs) Bring it on. What what about you, Jake? What have you done this week? Tell me your 5 stars. Um, Out of 5 stars, I'd give this week, let's go 72. 72 stars. Just because, you know, it's a good round number. Mm. Um... Mm, 72 That's not round um I think 72 also exists in a pleasant part of my brain for me because isn't 6 times 12 72 uh <laughs> yeah this is just yeah. a chance for me to show off my mathematics <laughs> six abilities because 6 times 11 is 66 are you doing the thing that I always do when I have to do multiplication in front of someone and I just say the numbers and then stare upwards <laughs> yes <laughs> the people and think of nothing that. yes and no, just no. think 6 times 11 is, is 66 sure is so 6 yeah. times 12 is 72 72 yeah 
And I always just thought 72 was a fun closure number for, you know, the six times table. Sure, it's a number that seems to pop up a lot. Like 72. Like, you know, 24, 48, 72. Like, that is sort of like the, how the hours work. Oh, sure. Yeah, that, and we're that that almost like a, a daylight saving conversation. My goodness, time machine. Time machine. Um, what was your question? How's my, your week been, Jake? My week, it's been okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's been a little exciting, like a project that I've been working on for a while has just happened. So like uh, a documentary that I made with my friends Joel Beasley and Dominic Weintraub mm. just hit the internet. Um, if you want to see it, it's called Jake and Joel last January. A lot of J's. A lot of J's. Mm. It's the prettiest letter. Agreed. So, you know, you want to stuff it full of those if you can. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That exists now as an accessible piece of art. Great. Where, where can they watch it? Who's the, they They can watch it on YouTube. Amazing. It's Amazing. That The Kissing Booth uh, it's, uh, YouTube page? Sure. Sure. If that means anything <laughs> Why to anybody. not? Why yes. not? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Shit. Yes. <laughs> okay. <I don't> okay. <laughs> Maybe we'll watch it and then talk about it at some point. It's a possibility Ooh. if you get around to it. But yeah. Yeah. I care about it and, and maybe you will too. Mm. Sweet, sweet listener people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If that's, 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 that's your week. Is that our week's wrapped up? I think so. I think otherwise, yep. yeah, my sister came back from, she's been in Perth for a while. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah, and she came back for a pal's wedding. Um, the other day I had to help her purchase a dress to wear to the wedding. Ooh, stressful? Um, stressful just because it was the day before the wedding. Ooh, um, So we stressful. were out on Chapel Street and we went to these like two boutique stores. Oh, Chapel and Street as well. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh yuck, 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 yuck. Um, but Yeah, but it was fun We met this woman who was running one of the stores And she um, was helping my sister Be enthusiastic about the dress that she was trying on mm. Like it was one of those situations where it's like Oh bitch, you look fantastic oh, If you don't yes. buy that dress, I'm going to kill everyone I know <laughs> And then myself Yeah, like, oh my god, look at your boobs And look I'll at blame your shoes. you in a note And then it, did, it almost evolved into this thing where it's like Oh, but you're going to do your hair differently, aren't you? It's like, oh, oh, and you're going to like paint your nails, aren't you? And you're also not going to wear the shoes you're wearing, are you? Yeah? tan as well, yeah, don't you? All yeah. that stuff It was like, oh good And I was like, part of it was like, wow, this woman's really going in But then it was also a thing too of like do I want a service like this where I can like hire a really harsh, honest woman to tell me what I look like? No. No? No. Why not? Because you should be able to fucking wear the dress and just, you know, you ladies, you look beautiful the way you no, are. Think about you. Like, think about you. If you could, because I'm sure we all go through those like wonky, not that it matters what people look like, but mm. through those wonky phases of like having an idea of what you think you look like, what mm. you want to look like, and then this third thing, which is the thing you look like in photos. Oh, so having, <laughs> having someone actually be the sort of voice of the so, photo. Someone would be like, James, I understand what you think you're going for. Uh-huh. I need to let you know that you mm. look kind of like a soldier that but, fell into a hay bale. But do you see how that would never happen because I'm perfect and flawless and beautiful? Well, exactly. But mm. us lesser people that uh-huh. sometimes make mistakes. You trolls. <laughs> yeah, that'd be people Troglodytes. with like, some confusing version of dysmorphia where we <laughs> cannot dress ourselves. Yeah, let's talk about dysmorphia on the podcast. Yeah, dysmorphia. Dysmorphia. Yeah. Dysmorphia? Dysmorphia? I hardly know her. Oh, 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 oh that's good. Chugga, chugga, okay, chugga. On that note, <laughs> let's, let's get started. James! <laughs> yeah, nice. Oh, Hello. something's rotten in the state of Glen Waverley. <laughs> wow. Flawless, flawless intro. Thank to this you. Next I saw, I went to Glen Waverley. Did Which ya? is further from my house than I thought it Glenn was. Glen Waverley, I think that's where my grandparents lived. Mm-hmm. They're not dead, they moved. Okay. <laughs> God, I miss I mean, them I every day. With <laughs> they moved. <laughs> to Canada. I miss them so much. It's like when they're dead. Oh, God. It's like when I stay, I, I, my, I, my cat's in a better place. 
She's just with a Tavishi. Yeah. <laughs> she's not dead. She's just with a better. She's with a better person, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah who actually cares? That was such for. a hullabaloo when we gave that cat away. Oh my god, we made that one post of like miss you already, and everyone was like, oh. Was like, no, no, she's just with Tavishi. And some people wanted the misapprehension that we killed her because <laughs> <laughs> you made a comment that was like we killed her, and everyone believed you. Yes. <laughs> because you seem like the sort of person that would kill cats. I like the idea that people believe that I could be a cat killer. You could be on that Netflix series of yes. Pussy Slaughterers. with cats. Oh, Don't Fuck With Cats. That was so good. I didn't see that. Don't Fuck With Cats. <laughs> so fucking good. I should watch it. I know. Was that like a lockdown time when that happened? I think it was just before. Um, um, so, th- so you went to Glen Waverley. Uh, don't Fuck With Cats. Really don't good. Fuck With Cats. It's hey so guys. good because of like um, watching a bunch of like Internet dweebs like solve this crime by themselves. Because is that the premise? Is it, is it a bunch? Of, is is it like the whole premise of the? Because is it a documentary? Like it's an actual documentary. It's a documentary about that guy. He like uploaded a video of himself killing cats with a <laughs> trigger warning: cat slaughter. Um, <laughs> k- t- killing cats by like put the, putting them in vacuum bags and then like vacuuming oh, the bags fu- until the cat oh, dies. That's um, yeah, and then all these people get outraged. Like all these like cat fans were like, "What? <laughs> um, you mean you mean?" Sane, normal people. No, I mean fans of the Rebel Wilson movie Cats. Oh, not insane people. <laughs> cat. People that care about cats. Cat um, people. Because apparently there's a rule on the internet, like, don't fuck with cats. There's, like, a rule that exists. Is like, that like a rule you can do whatever in... you want. It's a wild west, but you do not hurt a cat. Is that, like, a rule as in, like, just like a... They said it's, like, up. it's on the stone tablets of internet like behavior okay but you know there's no stone tablets obviously. but to these people it absolutely exists so I don't know okay sure but, yeah. but then it's yeah there's like a little like handful of people that track this person down he uploads more videos and then they put him in a vacuum bag uh, yeah. and it all comes full circle yeah mwah, mwah, mwah. and then the camera zooms out and they're all in prison <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, great, yeah. Great. no but it's crazy yeah but you know cyber vigilantes and it just comes and not to spoil this documentary for you um, block your but, ears everyone uh, yeah yeah and then it, it turns out that the guy's instigating like the reason he tried to do this was to get enough internet celebrity to become a famous person. The, the person that killed the cats in the first place. The cat killer guy wanted to be like a famous model and he was what? he was designing his behaviour based on Sharon Stone's performance in I believe Basic Instinct is the performance he was basing it on. Like the <gasps> one where she wears that white dress and like spreads her legs and her vagina. Yeah, I believe out. that's the performance she was and it, it's Wait, like, what do you the, mean he was emulating that while killing cats? What uh, do you mean? He was emulating it Throughout, because he wanted that that sort of no, like notorious oh. fame, and then they do this eerie thing where they show you footage of him in the like the interrogation room with the police, and his perform <gasps> like, what he does in the room is really really similar to something that Sharon Stone does in a movie that she's in, and it was like oh my god, as as horrible that's. It's bonkers, and then on top of yes, and then on top of that too, though there was then this discourse around like, have we now given him exactly what he wanted by making a documentary about what he did? Because no one knew about this until we made this documentary, and now he has the fame that he wanted. But surely no one would give him like I don't know, like any jobs. Like surely no. I don't think he wanted jobs. I think he just wanted the. Oh, he just wanted the fame. (laughs) But is he in prison? I believe so. I'd hope so. Yeah. Cat killer. Cat killer. So you went to Glen Waverley. I went to Glen Waverley. Uh, yeah, went to Glen Waverley because <clears throat> I wanted to see the the actors' studio do Hamlet. <laughs> oh, Shakespeare! Yes, yes, yes. Willy Wobblestick. Yes. Willy Wobbles Dick. And uh, the yeah, so it was Wesley in Glen Waverley, and it was mm. they call it the actors' studio. You're obsessed with Wesley, doll. I'm not obsessed with Wesley. They're just mm. doing shows at the moment, and I don't know if you know this about me, but I love peaches and theatre. <laughs> Didn't know about the peaches, didn't mm. know about the theater. I like to slot it in whenever I can, just in case someone's thinking about getting me a gift. Make it be peaches. Make it be peaches yes. or theater. <laughs> what about a show about peaches? 
if there's uh, a show about peaches. A show about peaches. Oh my god. Like a southern southern bells are talking about peaches. Isn't is is that what Chalamet humps in that movie? Is that a peachy humps? You know I don't know who Chalamet humps is. That's a made up porn. Timothy name. Chalamet. Humps was the <laughs> verb. <laughs> I thought Chalamet Humps was an actual You thought there was a person named Chalamet Yes, that's why I was so baffled. Oh, in your mind, it was a fancy lady. Oh, you mean that's what... (laughs) That's that's what Chalamet Humps. I'm Chalamet Humps. Yeah, I think he humps a peach. I don't care about him. I saw a video of him, like, walking up to get an award. uh, But he, like, walked up to get an award. I was like, that child is malnourished. He's a thin person. He's a thin person. And also, he's got, like, one of those faces, like, the Benedict Cumberbatch situation where it's like... I don't know how much of your face is like just skin very thinly stretched over just a skull. Like there's no muscles under there. It's really weird. I don't find him attractive. I find him weird and I find it weird that we sexualize him so much. Oh sure. Because he so often portrays children. He so often portrays young underage people and so many people are obsessed with him. I just find it really weird. He was very good in Little Women. (laughs) (laughs) Were they really little in that show? They were little enough. Okay. I wasn't watching it being like, they're not little at all. <laughs> so that's what I More like huge women. <laughs> More like average sized women. <laughs> then I left the cinema <laughs> as the audience cheered. <laughs> Bravo! So I went to Glen Waverley. Right, yes, Hamlet. Uh, Hamlet. So mm-hmm. I enter this school. Um, Wait, where in Glen Waverley's school? I literally barely. Oh, you be able to I, went, I got off at Sindel Station. That's not real. Sindel. Sindel. And got off, and then it's yeah, just like waddled, waddled through suburbia, and then found Wesley while listening to like on repeat Jessica Simpson's "These Boots," <laughs> because forgot that song existed, and now it's back in my like, life. These boots are made for, for walking. You're listening. To, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Remember in Year Six, a girl did like a dance routine to that for a Year Six talent show. That seems too sexual. And her mother was the one who had organized the talent show, and she won. Oh my gosh. There was a large, there was a hullabaloo. I hope they cracked that case back open because I don't think that, that competition was I would start my own, my own documentary called Don't Fuck With Boots. Yeah, went to Glen Waverley, <sighs> um, got off at Sindel Station, went to Wesley and got there. Um, it's, a, it's the sort of campus that has streets with names in the campus. Oh my God. Okay, it's right, crazy. right, right. I'm on board. Um, yeah, oh, I know the campus. That was on the way to my grandma. And yeah, I do know exactly what you're talking about with the oh, huge cool. gates and the huge courtyard huge in front of it. and like yeah, yeah, yeah. ovals and uh, yep. buildings and yep. streets between the buildings. I've never and, like, been a, in there. That's amazing. I've always wanted fantastic. to go in there. So I went in there toddled around and then just sort of like got lost in the neighborhood of that school yeah. um, and then walked past this room with big lovely windows with a bunch of staff inside who must have seen me walking around alone looking a fair bit like a witch honestly <laughs> based on what I was Doesn't wearing really help. Uh, yeah and then yeah and I was like lost as fudge and then um, yeah got, got into like a room none of which obviously I'm familiar with it also I was like looking for this like hall where the, where the play was meant to be happening yes. and then I hear this like voice from behind me. I was like, mate, mate, you're all right. I was like, oh, thank God, I'm not. Gay bashing. <laughs> I'm lost at Wesley. Um, yeah. And then it ends up being this like handsome man. Um, yeah. And I'm like, I'm looking for Hamlet. Um, yeah. And then he was like, oh, um, so yeah, he's a teacher and he starts showing me where this hall is. Um, he's like, what are, you, what are you saying? I was like, oh, I'm seeing Hamlet. It's like, oh, that's great. I saw that last night. I was like, oh, what did you think? And then he sort of like paused a bit and I was like, well, uh, I'm the PA teacher. So, <laughs> I'm not really equipped to talk about uh, how good it was. What a man. Uh, but uh, I'm impressed with how they did it all and oh. what they could remember. That's really sweet. And then I got nervous because that was such a sweet, sort of like, I don't know, classic thing to say. And I yeah. just started saying like, no, I'm sure you're more than equipped to appreciate. And then I sort of trailed off out of nervousness. But good. I no, want him to great. believe that I <laughs> thought he was no, absolutely capable of appreciating it. You've got a noggin. 
He's got a noggin. Ah, uh, yeah. So he was a sweet PE teacher, nice. man. So that was a nice run-in that I enjoyed. That's really lovely. Yeah. And then, yeah. Then I went and found Kato Hall eventually. Kato Hall. Kato Hall. Okay. Oh. Um, yeah. Okay. And then went in there to see Hamlet. <laughs> so, <laughs> what do you think of Hamlet? I don't like Shakespeare. Like, it takes a lot for me to like Shakespeare. Okay. I just feel like it's the sort of thing of like... You know when you photocopy a photocopy and you photocopy that photocopy and it just gets more and more... I just feel like everyone is sort of like, wow, Shakespeare can always be reinterpreted to fit the times. Like, yeah, everything can. Like, oh, great. Stop it. Yeah. Oh, good. Let's talk about that then after oh. I explain this version Okay, of great, 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 great. Yeah, great, great. that's yep. interesting. Great, carry on. Um, great. Um, yeah, so get in there. We sit in there. I'm looking at the set before the show begins. Mm. And obviously, as you're saying, you, you know how when you do a Shakespeare, you have to make some choices. Oh, um, bold choice. So their choice was to set the whole thing in a graveyard. Okay. It's spooky Hamlet. I'm into it. I'm they're into doing spooky, spooky Hamlet. Hamlet. <laughs> spooky Hamlet. And I'm like, this is fantastic. <laughs> and I'm looking around this graveyard. So they've got like the big creepy gates. <gasps> they've got this big grassy mound in the middle of the space. Ooh. Um, there's, and then I'm looking, and there's like huge gravestones. Like they're like twice the size of like the cast members. Oh shit. And I'm okay, looking right. at the, and the gravestones have the names of the characters in Hamlet on them. Oh so wow. Like everyone's already dead. Okay, okay, I might... Okay. Spooky choice. That's a good think? spooky choice. Good I spooky like choice. that spooky choice. Yeah, so this is cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um, And then... Once and again, then, Wesley has money to do that. Wesley has money. Man. Wesley has vision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think... Is that on their blazers? Uh, I know they're Should purple. Should be. <laughs> Go um, on. Yeah, and then, as the, then there's like this music that starts... And it's like, oh, the play's about to begin. You can't see Jake's expressive hands, but they're really telling a story here. <laughs> Just imagine the gayest hands in the world. Just flapping around. Just really flapping around. Um, Go on. This music starts. There's all the music in this There's show. the hands. Um, the music starts. Uh-huh. And then from the depths of this grassy like mountain in the middle of the set, this, there's this... So atop this grassy mountain uh-huh. is an open coffin. And then somehow the cast walks out of the coffin. Pause for rapturous gasps. Is there, like, a, do you reckon, like, trapdoors? Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they were packed in, like, a clown car into this coffin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, like, obviously, like, some hidden, like, staircase inside yeah, the grass okay. mound. That's such a good visual. And they all just, like, walk creepy out of this coffin and then, like, walk down into the playing space. I'm like, what I mean, an entrance. I mean... So fucking good. And they're all just kind of, like, decked out, like, spooky, like, Rocky Horror. Like, the people at the Time Warp party in Rocky Horror, it's kind of, like... The gaunt cheek makeup, like dusty gowns, like could dirty you also say hair. they're like the um the the chorus from the Adams Family musical? Possibly, depending on which version of the Adams Family. Probably musical. not the one where they're all like white. But any production that's done recently where everyone just sort of goes, let's just make them all look to the vaguely same color scheme and scary. Totally, it's that yeah the thing of let's all look sick, but let's also look kind of like old timey Timothy Chalamet. Can't sure. <laughs> 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 Let's all dress like our houses have lots of grandfather clocks in them. Yes, no, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, you know, yeah. yep. Um, that kind of energy, which of course is fantastic. Yes, and it meant like, uh, like big, huge, like dirty, crimped hair and like mm. dusty red satin dresses, like oh. that sort of shit. You know, how how old do you say the kids were? They're between years nine and twelve. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, gorgeous. Um, so that's the aesthetic of the whole I'm thing, obsessed. which is I'm, I am now I'm obsessed. Oh my god, so good. And then and then so. Talking about adaptation, mm. it opens with a to be or not to be speech. What do you think of that? Wait. Are they allowed? Like in the midst of this opening. How much are you allowed to chop and change Shakespeare? Like, you can do literally whatever you want. Yeah. Because obviously copyright is no longer applying. He's been to dead it. a little bit. Yeah. And William is pretty dead. 
<laughs> I would hope so. Yeah. 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 Unless my spell worked, he's very much still in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> cool laugh, Jess. Sorry, I didn't know. I'd how to try a different one. <laughs> um, sorry, I just noticed you have a ten dollar note hanging up in your room. What's There's a backstory about? to it. Okay, I want to hear the it. The ten dollar note is because <laughs> so for everyone who does, yeah, there's a ten dollar note hanging in the corner of my room. It's because I one of my waitering jobs. This gentleman gave me this tip once, and he and I had like nice chemistry as much as a waiter and a customer can have <laughs> and he gave me a ten dollar tip and I thought it was sweet and I thought oh this is what I like about being a waiter and that was also a man the money the, 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 <laughs> the good, good money <laughs> I'm a waiter because I want to be rich yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that's why well I'm then like, you're oh. going to be waiting a while oh my I, god we need, like, can we get a sound effect every time I make a pun um, like a Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, but what happens when that button gets worn out? Then we buy Within a new the first one. 15 we minutes buy a new of having one. it. Oy vey. Well, Oy vey. Um, but yeah, so it's up there to remind me of that. That's nice. That's and also, cute. you know, to think that maybe one day Kaylin will come back into the restaurant Kaylin, and propose to me. Kaylin's a good name. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, yeah. So, what was I saying? So, the show. Oh, yeah. So it opened with To Be or Not To Be. That, okay. I mean, I like that. Why do you like that? I like that because I think, like, if I were someone... Look, I, I don't like... For someone that doesn't like Shakespeare so strongly, I, I've got to admit, I don't know a huge amount of Shakespeare. Mm. Like, I know the classics. I, I can't say I've ever actually seen a full production of Hamlet. Mm-hmm. But if I were to sit down and having never seen Hamlet and then it starts off with, to be or not to be, I'd be like, oh, I know exactly what the vibe of this show is now. Like, I, I like... Because you think that speech encapsulates the vibe of Hamlet. Well, as I just said, I don't know. Uh, I'm not oh, entirely you, sure. Oh, but, but it gives you something to immediately be like, oh, I feel me. like I know this enough to be comfortable. Graveyards, spooky people, to be or not to be, oh, I'm in for a spooky, weird, ghosty time. Uh-huh. And that, that to me, it seems like a, a, I think that's a good choice. Okay, great. Yeah. For those reasons. Did you like it? What did you think of that? Oh, sure. Oh, no, I just thought it was interesting. Um, for some what? reason it triggered the thing of like, I don't know if this is a very niche reference, mm. but it triggered, you know, that episode of The Simpsons mm-hmm. where um, <laughs> Marge asks... That Frank Gary, I think is his name, that architect to build a building in the town to attract more tourists. Monorail? No, no. She, built, she asks him to build like an opera house. And then <laughs> he comes to do it because he thinks the note was written by a young girl because the wording of it is like, you're the bestest architect in the world. And then she's like, well, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I can't remember that episode. Anyway, but okay. yes, yeah, but, yeah. so he comes, builds, builds an, op, like an, like an opera house thing or something. And they all come and watch, maybe it's Wagner or something. Mm. Um, and then the, the, it starts and it goes da, 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 da. and then everyone starts leaving oh that's right no I do remember <laughs> and that and then bit. they're like where are you going and then I think Lenny is like well the good bit already happened so we can right. go now yeah no I do remember that bit um, so it, the, starting with to be or not to be made me feel a bit like because to be or not to be is quite a climactic point of the show right like it's, that's, that's well, like it's not even necessarily feels... climactic but it's it's obviously the thing that people know from Hamlet yeah, like it's kind of like that it. and it's kind of like Yorick and it's kind of that's Yorick his neighbour Yorick the skull the skull I know I know it's the skull that was a joke okay it was a funny <laughs> joke because I'm very funny and very smart yes funny and smart mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah um yeah so for that reason I guess maybe and I'm just having this thought now like um, that maybe because of the speech the way that it exists mm. it's kind of because obviously not, maybe not obviously the speech itself being about Hamlet determining so much about like we're seeing what Hamlet is grappling with the choices that he's considering making him contemplating the very nature of his existence and behavior and all that stuff you know mm. and that kind of only makes sense 
and it only has any sort of like captivating weight if you've experienced what he's experienced before the speech sure. occurs. Okay, so sense. if you launch into it immediately, you, you maybe only have like a very watered down understanding of what he's even grappling with in the first place. Did they like do- if there's nothing before it, it's like to be or not to be, that as a line doesn't exist unless you know why he's Stuff questioning these happened. things in the first place. Did they, did they do the speech again at the appropriate no. time? Oh. No, so it just happened then. I thought it was like a, like a fun sort of premonition, you know? Like a sort of like... It's like, here's a little... Sneak peek, toast, baby. <laughs> yeah, like that sort of thing. That's what I yeah. thought. Okay. No, that. Uh, um, I still, I still like it. I still like great. it. I think for the masses, I like. Mm, uh, yeah. So spooky Hamlet. I, <laughs> speaking of the spookiness, I feel like it's important to bring up an element that I was really impressed by. Oh. Was they seemed to have like Scooby Doo technology. <laughs> because <laughs> All right. There was this part okay. <laughs> where obviously Hamlet. I keep saying obviously as if everyone's like being. You know, forced into Hamlet as much as I have. Yeah. You know how the instigating event almost is Hamlet encountering his father, dead Hamlet. Yes. Like King Hamlet. And it's a ghost. And that's like the start is like the two soldiers or the two guards seeing Hamlet's ghost and then Hamlet's Hamlet dealing with seeing the ghost as well. You know? So yes. there has to be a ghost appearance. And I guess the options are you either cut out holes in a sheet and you waddle around <sighs> or you do what... Wesley did, which is have Scooby Doo technology. Hey, stop saying Scooby Doo technology. technology. Say what happened? They Scooby did it. <laughs> Scooby done did it. Did that was it like they, mirrors. Sort so of? no. So it was like mirrors. on one of these Magnets? mammoth gravestones, uh, they projected this image of a ghost uh, that was like, oh my god! Oh, like, it was like they a, captured a ghost. Like a holographic projection sort of. Situation. It was like it wasn't even necessarily that holographic, but it, but it also didn't look like a PowerPoint presentation. It was like. This swirling mass of like green ghosty ghostiness. Oh, they full on just did ghost stuff on stage. They did ghost, and it was wow. just like Hamlet looking at this projection of his dad ghost on this gravestone. I was like, that's an incredible looking ghost. That's great. Yeah, Wesley got money. Wesley got money. Wesley got vision. Wesley got, <laughs> that's that's, that's what they got. <laughs> Wesley got money. Wesley got vision. Mm. It was a strange thing where it's like the ghost was an adult, but everyone else in the play was a child. Oh, why so was the ghost an adult? Do you reckon it was like the director? I don't who it was maybe it was like I don't know a different PE teacher I didn't um, recognise him hopefully it was a different PE teacher yeah yeah, yeah. Well, so that's, that's an interesting choice odd but otherwise yeah that, that's how they maybe it was the like the, the drama teacher that all the kids love and wanted, want, everyone wants him to be involved somehow. oh maybe but yeah. then it's also like uh, why don't you get one of the students yeah, <laughs> yeah. but that was that um, otherwise I'm just thinking beyond that honestly everything else that happened like it was impressive that the kids did Hamlet that's great great um, then it was really just kind of like Outside of that, all my thoughts went, like, to things, and I'm really interested to hear what you think about, mm. um, the fact of kids doing Hamlet, and why the fudge knuckle are we still doing it? Why are we still doing Shakespeare? Sorry, why are we still doing Shakespeare? Yeah, like, um, because, and I think part of what really hit that question hard for me was not just the fact of, like, oh, these kids haven't been through... The Hamlet stuff, um, which is a clunky way to word it, um, but I, I was looking at um, the girls playing Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Those are not real names. <laughs> um, Mia Ireland and Stephanie Guthrie, and so I'm watching them play Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, who I forget die. Doesn't everyone die in Hamlet? Isn't but like a show but they where die everyone... separately. Like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern die. But they're like the the who are they in the show? They're like Hamlet's friends. Okay. They're like these two guys that just like turn up, and then the, a letter gets uncovered. 
that suggests that they're planning on sort of duping Hamlet into getting murdered or something. Like, I totally forgot. And so when, when Hamlet did kill them in the show, I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> did they? Because Shakespeare surprised Because you. I recently saw, obviously, that Romeo and Juliet and Belfast. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, like, adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. And there was, like, a lot more, like, suicides and deaths and stuff that weren't more in the original More suicides. Text. Yeah, yeah, more suicides. Uh, so again, still for it. Uh-huh. <laughs> if anything, more ferociously than before. Um... And so I was like, oh my god, did they add in Rosencrantz and Guildenstern getting slit in the throat by Hamlet? But they like, didn't. No, Jake, like that was... that's existed in this very old text for quite some time. Cause huh. I, and I also thought that Tom Stoppard play Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. I guess <laughs> until now I'd thought, oh, he killed them off in order to write that. Anyway. <laughs> what the fuck is that play about? Um, oh, it's like this postmodern thing where it's like, um, it's almost, it's lazy to compare it to Beckett, but it's the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern and it sort of happens parallel to... Hamlet in a way and it's comparable apparently I haven't seen this it's comparable to um, Lion King 1.5 that is very Timon and Pumbaa centric oh sure they sort of slot them in where they can for those of you listening at home who are fans of Star Wars that's very ta- I think it's Tag and Bink it's like these two characters that they just sort of like they have a comic book where it's just them sort of like causing everything to happen in Star Wars but they're just sort of like always off scene they're just always out of the camera shot that sort of thing okay. is that the vibe? I suppose so and to all cool people thank you for suffering through that Star Wars yeah thank you, for, thank you cool people for listening to this story about a <laughs> Hamlet spin-off that's real trendy um, yeah, but I was you watching. Fuck. <laughs> Sorry. I was watching Mia Island and Stephanie Guthrie play Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, respectively. And I was like, these girls, especially, have. <laughs> clearly have some real comic timing. They're clearly. Mm. Like, one of them, especially. I don't know which one's which necessarily. <laughs> one of them clearly had a real sense of. Like, what's funny, what comedy is. And the other one, and I know I'm projecting a lot onto these kids as well, but the other one had this really great dramatic listening face and was, like, there for the the drama of situations. Like, it, whenever something was going on, she was, like, there scowling at it. She was there, she was there ready to goof. <laughs> to have you know? a scowl as impressive as to be noticed by someone. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, oh, I want to know what she's thinking right now because it looks yeah, nice. like it's something. And that just led me into this mindset of, like, why have we trapped these children who have all these child qualities in this very, like, dramatic, slow, adult play about, like, regal yeah. drama. Why do we force them to do Shakespeare? Why yeah. do we force kids to do Shakespeare and Cloud Street? What is that about? <laughs> um, I think Cloud Street is slightly more defensible. Well, I guess because it's Aussie. Like, yeah, I understand and, that. Yeah, you know, it has all yeah. that stuff going on. And there's room for them to let out real things that exist inside of them. Because I think it comes down to a number of things, obviously. One of them being, like, it's like Shakespeare's still existing so prominently in the current curriculum. Yeah, it's yeah. It's so, so interesting because in my mind, it ties a little bit to part of the reason, part of the many reasons that I didn't go through with, like, finishing my training to become a, a English teacher. and drama teacher. You were going to be a because teacher. I was going to be a teacher. Mm. And, uh, yeah, to teach English and drama, of course. And... Even, like, learning about the history of why English is even a class in schools mm. and it being so tied to colonialism in the sense of, like, oh, wh- like why... Because, obviously, English isn't teaching people how to speak English because they already know how, but it's tied to the fact of wanting to be taught how to be like the English. Whoa! You know? Like, trying to indoctrinate the ideas of the culture of the day. And that's why English is such a broad thing. Yeah, you know? And that's why English right. is different to literature. Yeah, 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 because literature I fuck with. Um, huh. You know, and so it seems almost as if our devotion to Shakespeare in an education setting is, is almost akin that. to that. Yeah. You know? And yeah, I'm definitely, you know, it's a, the argument that Shakespeare should continue to be taught 
in an education setting, I suppose it almost feels hyper traditional. Mm-hmm. And I think if the defense of continuing to do something is just because it's tradition, that's not a valid that's enough a reason to, yeah, to keep yeah. doing that. And especially in, in like it being today and the education system and the current Victorian curriculum for high school students really needing to be overhauled. Mm. I would like to think that there are people contemplating potentially removing Shakespeare from the situation. Well, yeah. Because, I don't know. And I'm even thinking, like, even at the juncture of, like, language and theatre, I think Shakespeare is absolutely a text worth studying. But I think leaping from that to let's get an entire group of theatre students to memorise the lines and act out an incestuous affair and, like, a maddened son and a suicidal teenager... Um, and a, like an angry brother and a ghost king like it just seems sounds pretty cool like what is the point of that like, I wonder that's... how much of it is just um, drama teachers giving themselves a chance to have a blank canvas to sort of ejaculate all over oh completely which goes into the larger thing of like even outside of a high school setting like why do we keep coming back to Shakespeare and I think part of it yeah. is the fact of it being you can do whatever that you can do whatever you want because as yeah as you said earlier there's, there's no copyright restrictions or anything you can do whatever you want here's my thing yeah and this ties into I'm sure Rome, Romeo and Juliet and Belfast was good mm. What can we can we can can we as a as a world can we as a society stop doing Shakespeare where the big twist is Romeo's a girl <laughs> or like this person's actually not 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 got any gender like I get it but isn't but I think that's too also a strength arguably mm. not to simplify it, it, it uh, the idea of having this tr- like traditional classical lexicon of plays that we can come back to is like Shakespeare in that way almost acts as this, as you say, this canvas upon which you can kind of splash a, a, any sort of contemporary thing that you is kind of in vogue at the sure, moment. Sure, yeah, you yeah. know, like it's kind I, of. But I just, I just think write new stories, write new stories write about new stories. gender, write new stories about sexuality. Like I, I don't like I, I just you, you've you've just had done this incredible, really beautiful speech about Shakespeare and I'm just going to be the dumb one in the room that says Shakespeare's boring Shakespeare's absolutely boring fuck it's boring and oh it's, my god and it's like obvious from the get go like uh, like everyone that stages Shakespeare and you could say that it's similar with in a way with any play that you want to put on stage but I think especially with Shakespeare because it, with Shakespeare you have to in any staging of it the intention seems to be and I'd say more and more and I think this will continue to happen the more that people's attention spans start dipping is you need to roll it in as much sugar and glitter as you yes. can to help people get through it. Absolutely. And yep. that's the measure of the success of the show. And then on top of yep. that, it's a matter of like stunt casting things. And that's just kind of an uninspiring situation. And it's strange that that almost looks like the actions of people in denial. It's like, guys, yep. maybe if you have to work this hard to get people to enjoy this shit, maybe it's just You're shit. whipping a dead horse at this point. Like, stop. Maybe it's just not fun for anybody. Get some Australian writers. Like, I love Robin Nevin, but I'm done seeing Robin Nevin and Shakespeare things. Like sure. I'm, I'm done them seeing Robin Nevin is Queen Lear. That that seemed pretty. But cool. wasn't Didn't that that it. was also an interesting thing of like that was really happening at the spate when it was really popular to do King Lear with a woman at the front. Yes. And then we got to have that really interesting conversation where it was like, why isn't she just playing King Lear? Why is she playing Queen Lear? Yeah. And that was yeah. an interesting discussion. That was interesting. You know. True. And it's like it can be interesting when that kind of like 
evokes a new discussion. But then you get the same, like when people stage Twelfth Night and they, as you say, they mess around with the ideas of gender and sexuality, but then it always has to end with the ending of Twelfth Night, which is the, like the most heterosexual ending that's ever existed. Yes. You know, regardless of what comes before it. And I just, yeah, and I, 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 at, that, at that point, it's like, just write a new story to express these things you want to talk about. You know? Like, yeah. I um, just, yeah. Yeah, and especially the kids. Like, seeing kids trapped in these stodgy old roles where it's mm. like... And, and I think that like comes back to the language. Like, I would love to see a version of Hamlet readapted for and with children mm. that, that, that they, they, they don't necessarily feature any Shakespearean language, yep. but the themes are all there. You know, and it, it'll fall somewhere between traditional Hamlet and the Lion King. And that's the other thing of like, yeah, go right about the language in particular in Shakespeare. It's like, why are we forcing children to learn this weird old English that does not relate to their lives at all? Completely. But, and again, also, it's language that accomplishes so much. And people often talk about, and I think this is a good description of it, like they almost consider Shakespeare to kind of be an encyclopedia of every human emotion that you can have, you know? And that's nice. But then I think if you even embrace that as a premise, then you're also left thinking, does that therefore make any staging of traditional Shakespeare that uses the traditional language mm. into essentially people reading the phone book to you? Is it essentially <laughs> them reading an encyclopedia? But also, doesn't that emotion? sort of comment on, like, if we assume that Shakespeare is an encyclopedic knowledge of all sort of... Isn't that just because he wrote a bunch of it? And if, if that's the case, why don't we just look at someone else who's written a lot? And can't we just say that's also an encyclopedic knowledge of emotion? If well, I suppose so, but it's, it's about like the poetry and the detail of the like the intricacies of the things that... Because but it's like the we that decided people... Shakespeare wrote good stuff and then no one wrote anything else. For sure. That's For what sure. it feels like to yeah, me. Yeah, but I think maybe that's proven by the fact of the longevity. You know, if someone else had done something similarly But impressive... as you said, how much of that is just... English people wanking themselves Well, absolutely, off. because it's not as if the survivors of history is, is a meritocratic yes. no, process. exactly. I'm sure yes. there's all sorts of other cultural, prolific writers that we just don't know about. Completely. Ugh, I hate yeah. Shakespeare. And I think, too, I left thinking... And again, this is the very classic thing of, like, maybe I disagree with all these opinions in a week. Shakespeare's text is so expositionally emotional. Like, it does... It walks you through so much... Like, obviously, all the soliloquies and, mm. l- like, long conversation. It, it walks you through every emotional experience that these characters are having. And it, 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 me and my very current right now state of taste is, like, what are you leaving left for the performer to do beyond trying to convey that they are, in fact, feeling the things that they're also saying with their mouths? Yeah, you know, like you're I'm, totally right. I, for it's a while, I've of... very much been in the mindset of like, even, even me as a writer, always trying to be mindful of like, don't write as if the only language that you speak is words. I just really don't like Shakespeare, Jake. Sure. I really don't like Shakespeare. No, that's super fair. At the moment, I don't either. Um, I no, I'm saying this is a cement concrete fact that I will never like Shakespeare. You'll never like Shakespeare. Never. Hi, Jake. Hello, James. I went to see a show on Friday. Oh! Uh-huh. What? Big time. Continue. Um, uh, a friend of mine offered me tickets to see a show on Friday. And so, fortuitously, I did happen to see a show. Oh, um, I love to see a show fortuitously. Yeah, cool, Jack. Okay. Um, <laughs> you dumb bitch. I'm just sitting here waiting to pop out and <laughs> say things with this voice. <laughs> I like it a lot. Oh, that's bearable. Um, so, yeah, so I didn't know anything about the show. They like, gave me the tickets. I said, what was Don't, it called? Uh, no ball games allowed. Great. In the end, I mm-hmm. figured out. But like they gave me the tickets. I was like, do not tell me about the show. Great. So I went to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah, no ball games allowed. Um, I've got the program here. Um, written by uh, Kristen Smith um, and directed by Kitan Pat. Kovsky, I'm sorry, Katana, I'm probably going to butcher that name. Um, so yeah, uh, Kristen Smith, she wrote it. Uh, we went in, theatre works. So initially, uh, I went to see it with my partner. We went to see it and 
I don't know what your experience is like in foyers, mm. but there is something about a foyer that immediately sets the tone of what the show's going to be. Sure. For me. Okay. I think for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, especially going in knowing nothing about the show. How much scope is there for a foyer to set a tone? Isn't it quite like a liminal, toneless space? No, I think it depends on the people in the space. So it's determined by the people. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah no. okay. not, not, I'm not talking about the physical attributes of the foyer. I'm oh, talking about, about like, the, the people, people you're around. In the foyer. Like, oh, I'm a yeah, yeah, yeah. audience with these people. Yeah, we walked in and like, okay. you, you could tell by a few of the people, like, oh, this is going to be, okay, this is going to be, I'm into this. Like, they seemed like young, funky people. So that okay. was nice. Um, but this is one of the things where I walked in with, with Flynn, my partner, and and he also knew nothing about the show going in. Yeah. He knew everybody in the audience. Okay. Like, every second person was rushing up to say hello and say hello to him and, and greet him. And he would have to go, oh! Oh, and go on to the next one oh. and it was just uh, being like the second one the second fiddle in that was very interesting and like sort of like I don't know any of these people but I'm relying on you to tell me that they are good people to be seeing a show with first off I want to say that it's very bold and brave of you to date such a popular Muppet <laughs> <laughs> oh, me. secondly yeah. I'm sorry that you felt like the Garfunkel of the situation that's alright um, so yep yeah, so we um, wander in uh, we go in sit down just regular sitting back it's very like black box vibes um there's no no curtains in you can Mm -hmm. see all the bare stripped bits of the stage Mm -hmm. it's like this beautiful very simple set it looks like timber but it turns out to be carpet raised platform Mm -hmm. uh in the middle of nothing and then behind it is this sort of like a chorus line-esque mirror Mm -hmm. facing down onto the thing and in the middle of it is this little black in the middle of the floor is this little black square Mm -hmm. and um so we're trying to sort of predict what's going on wait so when you say the mirror's Mm. facing down do you mean like at the end of cabaret like a sort of like yes yeah exactly it's pointed at the nazis um yeah so (laughs) so it's pointed at the nazis yeah great (laughs) so so you're sitting in the audience you're watching the show and you can also see reflected the stage itself oh cool on the on the the mirror at the back yeah um and behind the under the mirror in the background you can see these two little sound desks mm-hmm. um i mentioned that because i'll come back to it great so <laughs> don't waste my time with unnecessary detail <laughs> i want to taunt you and tease you by the way baby. could you please summarize an entire documentary about cat death <laughs> just quickly <laughs> <laughs> oh god we got a lot to talk about and it's mostly cat death great it's Kristen smith and mia uh i want to get a get a name right ba 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 tuko yeah yeah do you know mia tuko mia tuko Oh, just through... She's like a friend of several friends. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, By all accounts, she's great, wonderful. Yeah, well, she's a great performer. But, but also, please, ruin that reputation. Actually, she's for terrible. Yeah. No, no, no. Great performer. So, um, it is... It's, so, the piece is written by Kristen Smith. Yeah. Um, she's one of the... Pardon? Sorry, I, I enjoy the tone with which you said that. It's written by Kristen Smith, but in a much truer way... <laughs> it was written, written by society. <laughs> Look, yes. I'm trying to sound official here. Yes, yes. Written by Kristen Smith. Mm. Um, uh, it was very much like... Uh, a selection of scenes that at first didn't really seem to to link up together but by, there was a scene at the end that sort of pulled it together it, it was one of those sort of pieces mm-hmm. I could not tell you what the plot is yeah still could not um, the, the the premise is it says in the blurb mm. it's set during the Blitz the London Blitz okay 1945 not 40, I don't like Narnia <laughs> it was at the start the first Narnia movie was it the Blitz oh yeah it was the Blitz so like hey London's getting ripped to shreds and everyone's dying go and say hi to a magical lion <laughs> when you're blue and you don't know where to go to get in the cupboard when there is da 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 the big old London Blitz <laughs> <laughs> It took me way too long to get there. Fuck you! Continue! That was great. <laughs> <laughs> that gave me a new theme song. 
yeah. So, Flynn and I went in sort of fully expecting it to be a lot more war based. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, like the horrors of war. Mm-hmm. And I think it was, it ended up being like, it used the Blitz as sort of like an allegory to be about um, self annihilation, a rebuilding of self. And it, 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 it ended up being more about um, family trauma, um, the trans journey, which I am nowhere near qualified and equipped to sort of make comments You're on. coming out as non-trans. <laughs> proudly non-trans. Not proudly, just non-trans. <laughs> Adamantly non-trans. <laughs> yeah, wow. so, um, but but it was, it was it was one of those shows where all the pieces were there. I loved all the pieces involved. There, there were, um, the, the two sound desks at the back were mm. uh, decked by Robert Downey and Rachel Lewenden, who... There were, really, there were four performers: mm. the, the the two sound people and the two actors. Yeah. The sound was amazing. It was like live mixing, mm-hmm. um, and it was very like it was almost like a electronic dance. Like it was EDM. It was okay. very a bit like I'm gonna get it wrong, like dubstepy sort of vibes, sure. and synth, synth, synth. Uh, and then Rachel would would be like singing live into a microphone and sort of warping it and blending. It was it was incredible. Like, that... I Rachel is one of the people at the desk. Rachel was one of the. De- it was. Okay. I think it was. Let me make sure. Also, they're like mixing and performing things at and the same time. Like instrumentalists and like sound. The, yeah, mystery. yeah. They're, they're doing That's the full amazing. thing. So they in rather than yeah, they were like live mixing the sound and um, live warping the microphone effects and live warping her own singing. It was mm-hmm. really impressive. Sure. So that I would have been happy to see just that. Like that was incredible. Okay. Um. So yeah, that was amazing. The two performers were inc- were really, really great. Um, Kristen has this really wonderful sort of quiet, reserved energy, which is really refreshing. Like, you know, I don't know, like everything she did was so... Oh, so is this the same one that wrote the piece? She's in it? Yeah, she's cool. in it. Sorry, okay. I should have probably said no, that at great. the start. Yeah, Kristen yeah. is one of the performers. Cool. Um, and it's, it's a very, very personal piece. Uh, as it turns out, it's a very personal piece that's inspired largely by, I believe, by her journey transitioning and journey, like, sort of realising who she is cool. and her relationship with her mother. Yeah. So it was really, really personal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, the way she sort of just held herself was with such poise and everything she did, it was like, oh, I want to see what you're going to do next because mm-hmm. everything is so... I don't know, I feel like sometimes there can be a bit... People can just sort of be a bit shouty for no reason. Mm-hmm. And and Mia, as, an, as, as a performer, did a lot of shouting... But in a way that I... I don't know. I don't know how she managed to do it. But in a way that was just sort of like... Like she just... Her entire face engaged. She was like the opposite of Timothy Chalamet. She had so many muscles in her face. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'll say it again. Timothy Chalamet can fuck out of here. <laughs> and Mia Tuko has Muscular tremendous facial face. muscularity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, right. I just mean like when she... I don't know. The way she sort of... Mm, no, it sounds great. So, it was really great. Really, yeah. really great. And the set... Um, so there was also project. There was also projection in this show. Yeah. No spooky ghosts. Oh, a shame. I mean, in a way, you could say maybe they were ghosts of someone's past. Oh was. my! So it turns <laughs> out uh, Flynn and I were lucky. We saw opening night. Yeah. So at the end, there was this. Um, uh, Kristen did a little speech out the out the courtyard area. It was for opening night, little drinkies. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned that the because pro- there was a projector projecting onto the stage all these visuals and images of um, her life. Having known that really added something to it because I think it was Pat. Pat Coyle was the video designer who sort of pulled that all together into the projection mm-hmm. um, which worked really well with um, the set designer Bethany Fellows great um, with the, the mirror because they would project onto these two performers and then in the mirror we would see uh, like a composite image of the performers and this 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 record of Kristen's life and the whole time that little black square in the middle of the floor was a drip hmm. like a drip th- and, and we were I I, don't, I wasn't quite sure what the drip was for a long time. Mm. Um, and am I able to spoil the end of a play on this podcast? 
Hey, uh, this is Jake in the future editing this episode. Um, James did go ahead and spoil the ending of this play. Um, and we sort of figured afterwards that we shouldn't do that. Um, so the rest of the conversation takes place after James has outlaid every detail of the terrific ending of No Ball Games Allowed. Um, so imagine that you've just had it spoiled for you. Um, yeah, back to the episode. It was just really touching. Mm, like, that's nice. Yeah, it was one of those moments I was like, yeah. Yeah, I get it. Like, it was a moment that pulled all of the elements beforehand together. Have you had a, had a moment like when, you, when you've been seeing a show mm. and nothing's been work, not working, but nothing's been making sense in your brain and then something happens and it all just sort of clicks a little bit? Hmm. For some reason, my brain wants me to say Top Girls because th- sort of the two memorable times that I've seen Carol Churchill's Top Girls... Mm. For some reason, yeah, that, the thing you just described, that that sense of everything sort of being elucidated at some point, um, I think occurred for me at some point, because Top Girls, of course, starts with like all well, these like, historical women having this large banquet together, and then after that first long chunk of the play, it then turns into quite contemporary scenes of women engaging with each other. And yeah, I feel like there's sequences in the latter part of the play that do, for whatever reason, maybe maybe this isn't what you're describing. Maybe mm. it's just because I really like the second half of that play. But it's I very much get the sense, like the, the idea that you're describing, and it is a really satisfying moment, and it's so much to do with the craft of what storytelling is and mm. the theatre making mm. is and the difference between those two things. Um, but being at a point in a show that equips you with this new light or new lens or something with which to look back at the show that's happened before it and being like, oh, I absolutely needed to go through that dramatic journey for this moment to be significant. Mm -hmm. And it also absolutely makes sense that this moment is happening at this point in the play. Yeah. 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 I think that, I think it's, I think you are describing exactly what I'm, what I'm Mm. talking about. It was sort of like pulled all of the loose strands of all these individual scenes into one coherent moment that was like, Mm. oh my God, this is beautiful. It was really gorgeous. Mm. Uh, and and watching at the little speech afterwards, Krista mentioned that she does all her writing in the bath. Oh, cool! Which was just a really, really beautiful little touch that sort of made me choke up a little bit when she mentioned it. Was just imagining her writing this show in the bath. That's so just, lovely. Yeah, what a really, nice thing really, for the, like for her to share. That's yeah, really I, I feel we really lucked out that we saw the opening night because that speech at the end, I would have, I still would have liked the show walking away, but it just, it just made everything a little bit more mm. tied together. I will say, this is something that you spoke about in a podcast recently. Um, there, it was an instance of that very like I'm talking about this. I uh, we did this, and then we walked over here and did that, and did this, mm. and, the, and the, it, it was probably halfway through the show that the two actors actually spoke to each other, and it was such a. Sh- I felt like it was such a shame because I don't know. I feel like that was a missed opportunity because I really loved these two performers when they did talk to each other eventually, mm-hmm. and it was, it was just another case of that sort of like, yeah, talking about what you're doing rather than doing it. Yeah, that was just one little thing. But yeah. um, there's a woman next to us. Mm. She starts pulling out her notebook. Okay. And during the show, starts scribbling down notes. She's she's clearly some sort of reviewer. Mm -hmm. And I just got me thinking, like... It made me, I feel, perhaps uh, unnecessarily angry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, it was just... Like, the the actors would do something on stage. And she would go, look down and start scribbling feverishly in her little notebook. And it was the sort of thing of, like, watch the show! Mm-hmm. Watch the show. Mm-hmm. If your brain can't retain some knowledge to write down afterwards, then then what the fuck are you doing? Okay. I, I, uh, maybe that's that. No, no. So what were you context. mad about? Were you mad about? I was mad about a few things about why she was doing it, or it was. <sighs> it was. It was sort of like 
I, she was she would write look down write for a little bit and then look back up I was like what if when you were down there writing something and you were trying to write something negative about the show what if they did something in that moment that you weren't focusing on the show that was really good mm-hmm. or what if you yeah you just missed a vital part of the show because you were trying to write something down yeah it just it felt a little bit I don't, I don't know it just made me feel like come on it was distracting as well it was like sure. this little, this woman scribbling away in her notepad next to me yeah. in the dark in this otherwise perfect sort of setting for the show mm. and then to hear her go like <laughs> shut the fuck up yeah. it just really made me angry and maybe it shouldn't have made me as angry as it did I just no. was oh but no don't worry about the shoulds yeah no mm. it made you angry that's super valid um, yeah I for whatever reason like for why ever she was taking notes being in the mindset of wanting to take notes during a show mm. to me kind of irrespective of why you're taking the notes puts you in an analytical mindset that I feel like prevents you from enjoying the show maybe that's assuming that people want to enjoy theatre the same way that I do sure um but I feel like puts you in a, in a mindset that isn't fun. And that's, that's shortchanging yourself. It's making you have this sort of like watered down hypological experience of the yeah. show. And it's making you have like a, almost a teacher-student relationship because you have to go review what they're doing and be like, oh, this is over, this is good, this is bad. Yeah. And, and it just... plonks you in a, in a too distantly uh, like observational perspective. Yep. You know, like you aren't there to... Like my pal Dominic often talks about like you want to have as few things as possible between like your chest and the performance that you're experiencing, mm, you know, because really nice. that, 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 you know, that, that corporeal adjacency, you don't want that to be interrupted. You mm. know, and I think even having like a notepad or like a book or something between you mm. and the show that's happening prevents some level of that spiritual exchange that happens between because the that's show what, and you. that's what theatre is. It's, it's between mm. you and the performer. Yeah. And if you so do, you don't want to yeah. have a pen in your hand. You want to just be like, you just want to be a body and a mind and a heart in a space watching Absolutely. a show, you know? And, and then, then afterwards, that. and then afterwards, Grab your book. Sure. Get out of the foyer and scribble down your notes. You know, yeah. that's fine. Hmm. But it was just, yeah, it just, all of that. I think it was also that because, and I, this was in absolutely me projecting onto her. Sure. But I just felt this sort of like high and mighty. So it just made <laughs> me feel like, oh, I'm here to, oh, I'm here to, oh, I'm going to scribble down a little note. <laughs> is this because of a lot of your, like, okay. is this a lot of like anti reviewer? Oh, yeah. Fully, of you? fully yeah, that yeah. as well. Yeah. So yeah. like, Lady, if you're listening to this, you're probably a lovely person, and, and, and maybe not even a reviewer. Maybe, maybe not even a reviewer. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. It just it it, it made me feel all sorts of mm. different anger. That yeah, I, I just thought I might bring up because and yeah, I just felt weird about it. It just made me feel weird. I was like, this, yeah, because it, it forced me to then think. Should I be thinking analytically about this? Like, mm. what do you reckon? She's, is she writing a bad thing about this scene that we just watched? Is she, what, is she writing about that? Like, it just ruined my sort of watching for a little bit mm. as well, which was very annoying. Yeah. I don't know. God, I wonder, and I guess I've experienced it a couple of times in my life, mm. but what it's like to watch a show with, like, the ideal audience to mm. watch the show with. Just, like, all of them the perfect audience. I just, and, and maybe, maybe perfect isn't a thing, but maybe it's like, the, the way, and this is a larger conversation to have another time, mm-hmm. but the way that the audience that you're in so profoundly affects your experience of the show that you watch. Yeah. And if, if someone could, whether or not it's you whether or whether or not it's the theatre makers, but if, if someone could determine and orchestrate the, ty- the type of people that you would be in the audience with when you see a show, if that could be fine-tuned to the extent that it gives you just an optimal experience of something yeah but maybe that there's something deeply untheatrical about I wanting to curate that I think I think curating the audience is because that's part of the thrill of the theatre you know like well it's part of the theatre well it is yeah. oftentimes <laughs> the audience is not a thrilling component well exactly that is part of the theatre <laughs> I don't know um yeah anyway great no ball games allowed no ball games allowed 
Say a word, Jake. Say a word. Say a word, Jake. Um, cantaloupe. God, I wish I could get married, but I can't elope. Cantaloupe. Pun jokes. Yes, but you can't just lift gags from Kath and Kim, James. Is that from... It's not from Kath and Kim. It's in Kath and Kim. Kath and Kim actually invented cantaloupes. No, no. No, no, no. Mm. Cantaloupes have existed for a long time, you stupid little bitch. No, they made a pumpkin fuck a honeydew, and that's how we got cantaloupes. It would have been a honeydew fucking a watermelon. Why is that the case? Because where does pumpkin come into it? It's orange. And cantaloupes are really seedy. Are they? Yeah. Maybe I've never... Crack open a cantaloupe. You have to do a lot of seed work to get to the the sweet, sweet flesh. (laughs) (laughs) I regret this. I regret this a lot. Oh, great. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, thanks everyone for listening. Praise Dionysus! Praise Dionysus! Yay! Um... Great. We'll, we'll like, yeah, speak to you again next week. Yeah. Um, send us in reviews. Send us in reviews. We're still, yeah, yeah we're gradually accumulating them. So it'd be mm. nice to have like a bank of them that we can dive into. That'd be great. Um, it, it's praisedionysis at gmail.com. Um, send in a review that was about a show you did or a, a review you read that you thought was a little bit rough or a bit funny or a bit strange. Or um, a review you wrote. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. And, you know, let us know the context in which this review exists in your world. Um, and we'll rip it to shreds. And we'll rip it to shreds. Yeah, well, yeah. We'll, we'll devastate you. So yeah, if you want to be real grim, if you want to be bullied on a podcast. <laughs> where Everyone's your boys. dream. Um, um, yeah, I suppose. Otherwise, yeah. Please, if you're interested, check out Jake and Joel last January. Mm. It is on YouTube. I'm watch it tonight. I'm, I'm into it. I'm in it. Oh. So don't let that deter you. I'm only half of the people. But you're <laughs> in it. I, yes, I'm the what? I'm the titular Jake. Oh my god! Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's a your celebrity. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, yeah. So please check that out. Also um, follow our Instagram. Sure, we are all we're also on Instagram. And follow my Instagram, Saint Pigeons, spelt like that. S T Pigeons. Yes. yes. If you are into looking at photos of pigeons mm-hmm. <laughs> with funny captions, uh, of course. Um. Yeah. Check that out as well. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Do that for sure. I wholeheartedly I endorse that nonsense. Anyway. Um, yeah, so as always, um, anything that we said, any opinion we just expressed, we may already disagree with. Probably do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And as always, uh, uh, friends, don't let friends become theatre critics. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> oh, thank no, you. no, no, thank no. Thank you all no. so much for coming along this journey with us. Um, speak to you next week. Have a wonderful time. Love you all. Miss you. Miss you a lot. Where are you? Where are you? <laughs> Miss you. Bye.